1: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 85, and we are recording on June 12th. I'm Jen Northington, and this episode is dedicated entirely to fantasy. Uh, Today we have two special guests. The first is Sharifa Williams, Book Riot associate editor and my co-host from our brand new SFF Yeah! podcast, which is also dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. What's up, Sharifa? Sharifa. Hey, how's it going?
2: I'm super excited to talk about fantasy, yes. and I hope people tune in to SFF. Yeah, we're on uh, every other Wednesday, so super
1: excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Our second guest is Elliot de Bodard, author of many excellent books, including the Dominion of the Fallen series, and I believe the second book, uh, House of Binding Thorns, just came out in April. Hi, Elliot.
0: Hello, I'm very happy to be there.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, You've written science fiction and fantasy, so I feel like you're an excellent expert for us to have here today. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) you've never listened to the show before, the way it works is people send in recommendation requests to us, uh, be it for what to read next for book club or what to get for their uncle for his birthday or graduating nieces or really whatever book question you have. You can send it in to us and we will do our best to answer. You can send the questions to getbooked at bookriot.com or you can drop them in the form that's at the bottom of all of the show notes on the Book Riot website. If you do have a time sensitive question, please try to put the date you need the answer by either in the subject line of the email or at the very top of the form we do our best to get to those as quick as we can Uh, we also will occasionally email responses if we're not going to get to your question on air before the time limit or if we've already answered one that's very similar we might email you that so keep an eye out The way today is going to work is I'm going to read our first question and then tell you about our first sponsor, and then we are all going to take turns recommending books for our questioners. So our very first question is from Christina Elizabeth, who says... I'm a huge fan of fantasy and science fiction, which I've been rapidly reading since a young tender age. Lately, though, I've found that they all feature white dudes as the main protagonists. I would really <laughs> love some recommendations of fantasy or science fiction books where the main character is female and written well. Any recommendations you have would be most appreciated. All right. We definitely have recommendations for you. First, I am going to tell you all about our uh, first sponsor, which is The People We Hate at the Wedding by Grant Ginder, <laughs> which- (laughs) which is Mm. an excellent new title, I have to say, Um, because we've all been to that wedding, I think. Uh, Oh, (laughs) yes. So this book is, as you might guess, about a wedding. Uh, A large family, uh, well, a fractured family from the Chicago suburbs all have to get together in London for the eldest daughter's marriage to an upper crust Englishman which, as you might guess, does not necessarily go smoothly. Um, If you are a fan of Jonathan Tropper or Maggie Shipstead, for example, if you love books where all of the people dynamics just come to the fore and all of the gang is getting back together and secrets are going to come out and bad things are going to happen and people are going to have hijinks with other people, this is definitely one you will want to check out. So again, that's The People We Hate at the Wedding by Grant Ginder, and thanks so much for sponsoring the show. All right, so our first question is for uh, science fiction or fantasy where the main character is female and well written. Uh, Elliot, why don't you kick us off?
0: All right. Um, I really have a weakness for uh, Case Elliot's Black Wolves, which came out um, two years ago, I think, from Orbit. And it's uh, it's epic fantasy uh, that's set in the a secondary world that draws very strongly from Asian Moors and cultures. That's very, very well depicted. And it has an ensemble cast, and most of the ensemble cast is women. I think there's the one odd token male uh, as part of the ensemble cast. (laughs) He becomes part of an arranged wedding and then finds himself shipped off somewhere. (laughs) 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 on its head and a lot of other cast is women who are in varying positions of power and who have to negotiate um things that range from not actually being in power to uh finding otherwise to express their power beyond military might and uh it's a lot of fun um my only quibble is where's book two i want book two now (laughs) that is a common quibble and and the secondary recommendation would be Zencho's Sorcerer to the Crown which is set in Regency London and which has uh, one of the main characters is a black man, Zacharias and the other one is Prunella who's half Indian and they have to deal with uh, magical hijinks uh, that follows uh, Zakaria's ascension to uh, the um, highest post which is that of Sorcerer and obviously people are not happy to see a black man in that post and even less happy to see that he then saddles himself with a half Indian girl who keeps asking embarrassing questions about the way <laughs> things <they> work
1: <laughs> I love that book too
0: it's so, it awesome. so fun.
1: Speaking <laughs> of where is book two? Where is that sequel? I need it. Yes. I cannot wait for that either. I'm it sure
0: it's going to be right. so awesome.
2: <laughs> Sharifa, what do you got? Okay. Um, so I chose Half World by Hiromu Goto and I chose Half World because the protagonist is female. She is not white and I just love this book to pieces. So Melanie Damaki is, uh, really well written as a female character. She's really flawed and she's kind of a brat, which is like my first, uh, my first reaction to her, but that's part of her story. She's had this really rough life that she's working through, she's working through some issues she's developed in response to having a really rough life. And it's basically, the book is about uh, Melanie's journey through a place called Half World. And she goes there to rescue her mom. Um, She and her mom have been living together in like this rundown house. They're extremely poor. And her mom is struggling with alcoholism. And after first glance it seems like the root of her mother's addiction is the poverty but um her mom has some seriously disturbing skeletons in her closet that melanie is completely unaware of and all melanie is concerned with basically is surviving uh because she's she's a chubby kid she hates school she's again poor she doesn't have any friends so when her one day her mother disappears she um has to go find her and she gets this message that says, go home, I believe was the message, but she is at home when she gets the message. So that's where like the super creepy scenes start in this book. And I should mention that it's like, this is a YA book, but it gets super dark. And there are some really gruesome, visceral bits, like almost like Clive Barker at times so uh there's that but um (laughs) (laughs) but i love that stuff so i was like totally amped about it um so yeah that begins her journey to to half world accompanied by like this amulet being named jade rat so if you love stories with animal companions it's a good one and people have compared this book to like uh Coraline, like if hayao miyazaki animated Coraline. And I would agree with that. And I'd also add the movie Cool World, which does not make it sound very YA, but that was what came to mind, like, reading about Half-World. And this is the first book in a series, and the second one in this one is actually out. (laughs) So if you love Half-World, you can go read the next book. But again, that was Half-World by Hiromakoto.
1: I forgot about Cool World. I just watched that recently for some
2: really <laughs> random, strange reason. And I was like, this movie is as weird as I remember it from my childhood. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Huh. I might have Straight. to revisit that. Yeah. Um, in a less horror vein, my recommendation for you is Redemption in Indigo by Karen Lord. Karen Lord has written a bunch of great books, including some science fiction, but this book is the first one of hers that I read, and it's a gem. It is, it's a fairy tale, a sort of a modern fairy tale that's inspired in part by a Senegalese folk tale. And the main character, Pama, is married to this, like, just really sort of westerly man. Um, he He is not very smart, and he's, you know, kind of greedy, and he doesn't make good decisions. And so she tries to leave him, but he follows her to her parents' home... And he's also, like, making trouble in the village. Um, and she's doing everything she can to try to get rid of him. And she attracts the attention of these magical beings, uh, the Jombi, who give her a gift. But she doesn't know that it's a supernatural gift. But what they give her is this thing called the chaos stick, which allows her to manipulate the subtle forces of the world. And she uses it to cook. And so she starts oh. changing reality while she's cooking. Um, and it's just a really... And then, of course, there's a there's a Jombi who wants the power of the stick for himself, and um, it's just really sweet, it's funny, it's beautifully written, it's it's not really like anything much that I've, uh, uh, anything much else that I've read, um, and she just, she, it's so atmospheric, like you really can see the village, and it's got these trickster, you know, elements to it, and it's just so much fun, um, I really, I really adore this book, it's, it's one that I reread from time to time when I just need something that's enjoyable and a little bit escapist and mm. and yeah it feels like something very different so that's redemption in indigo by karen lord i love a book that has cooking in it
0: oh so. you should read this it is really funny and it really feels like a reimagined folk tale rather than a than a straight up um more traditional epic fantasy the voice is really really strong
1: yeah mm. the way that she wrote it structurally is so different hmm. It's got that sort of oral tradition coming through, I think, in the language, which I really loved. Sounds awesome. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, I'll go on to the next question, and it's coming from Paige. She says, "Um, I'm looking for fantasy books that would be a good place for a person who has never read the genre before. My boyfriend is an avid reader, but it has come to my attention he's never read, nor does he even understand what a fantasy novel is. He asked me if the genre is like magical realism. I, on the other hand, have been reading high fantasy since I was a child, which means I'm a bit too caught up in it to really figure out what a good beginner book could be. I understand that a high fantasy world can be sometimes overwhelming to non-readers of the genre. Any ideas of good places to start that wouldn't completely freak out my boyfriend and scare him away from the genre completely?
0: (laughs) Do you want to begin, Elliot? Um, Yeah, sure. I'm not sure I would want to start with high fantasy. I'd be more tempted to direct him towards urban fantasy. Uh, specifically uh, Ben Aronovich's um, Peter Grant series, which starts with *River of Rivers of London in the UK and in the US, I think it was published as Midnight Riot. Uh, it's basically the story of this young cop uh, in the police force in London who finds himself caught in odd happenings and suddenly discovers that there's an entire division of the Metropolitan police, police, which has been dealing with magic. Well, entire division means a crabby old wizard called Nightingale, and that's about it. <laughs> and he suddenly finds himself the apprentice, and he has to do everything, basically. And it's, it's funny, and it's not... Um, I mean, my sister read it, and she's not uh, a very committed genre reader, so I think it's a good start to book in the sense that... Um, it eases you in gradually because there's a recognizable setting, which is London. There's a modern setting, but there's also a lot of magic. Um, Peter has to deal with, like, the spirit of the River Thames and all her daughters who get into so much trouble. So it's, it's really quite well done. And there's a lot of them. I think he's on but six by now or seven. Oh, wow. So if he really gets interested, and there's novellas and short stories. So there's definitely a uh, matter to chew on there. That's a really good suggestion, the urban
2: fantasy part. Um, I ended up going with uh, A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula Le Guin. And I thought about this book because for two reasons. One was that it's really, like, you can get through it really fast. I think it's like um, 188 pages, it's really short. Um, So, I mean, if he's not feeling it, he'll know pretty quickly and it's also like it just struck me when i read it and i only read this like a few years ago that it was sort of like a stripped down bare bones of what a fantasy story is which i really liked i don't mean that at all in a bad way um And I think a lot of fantasy has been inspired by a wizard of Earthsea. There are like a lot of classic elements like wizarding school and an epic quest and a dark and murky villain. So stuff you'll definitely recognize from a bunch of fantasy works like old and new. Uh, So a wizard of Earthsea is about a boy named Ged who quickly realizes he has magical abilities uh, because of a particularly impressive feat he accomplishes to save his village. Uh, He draws the attention of this powerful mage who basically takes Ged under his wing as an apprentice. And before that, he was learning a sort of hedge witch equivalent magic from his his aunt. Um, But Ged's extremely ambitious, and he makes this Big mistake when he tries. Like uh, he tries to spell beyond his abilities, basically, and summons a dark force. So the mage, uh, whose name I can't pronounce because I don't think mm. I've ever heard it aloud, Ogian, Ogian. He
1: kind of I, puts up his hands.
2: I was just gonna say
1: I, I always said Ogian, Ogian, but
2: Ogian. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> I don't know it. if it's right. I
1: have no idea how you pronounce. It. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm glad, is I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs>
2: Okay, so maybe I need to read this in audio uh, audiobook format just so I can hear it. But um, so he puts up his hands. He's still there for Ged, but he doesn't. But he ends up sending him to Wizarding School, um, and Ged gets this well rounded education. But even there, he's like, he struggles with comprehending that there's this delicate balance needed to wield a power as great as his because he's really powerful and he does not stop making mistakes, um, and his eagerness and his lack of foresight and his ego perhaps have some serious consequences. And he eventually ends up having to face a huge consequence. So this is a sweeping story that manages to be super short. It's, uh, which is super impressive. Um, and again, you can, your uh, boyfriend can read it pretty fast. So I don't want to say too much more because it is short and ruin the story. But again, uh, this is the first in the Earthsea cycle. And that was A Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula Le Guin.
1: I love both of those recommendations. Um, H- I, I went back and forth with this question. I, I kept changing my mind as to what I was going to recommend. But I agree that maybe full-on high fantasy is not the best place to start. So I picked Aleph the Unseen by G. Willow Wilson, which is part fantasy and part science fiction, and very contemporary. It takes place in an unnamed Middle Eastern state that has very strict rules about A lot of things, including internet use. And the main uh, character, whose um, handle online is Aleph, uh, is a hacker who is sort of like a, I think he's a gray hat. Like, he he helps out some good people, but he also maybe does some shady stuff. Um, And he's just kind of, you know, making ends meet and not really getting, doing anything too crazy. Um, He has fallen in love with a woman who is has basically broken up with him for an arranged marriage to a prince. Um, And then his computer gets breached by the state's electronic security force. So now he's, like, in trouble. And then um, he comes into possession of a secret book that everybody wants, including some not-so- Contemporary people like Jin, and you know all kinds of other supernatural creatures. So it's it's like a hacker story with magic, which I love, uh, and I think is a really fun way to sort of dip a toe into the world of fantasy. Um, The book is really action packed. Like there's a lot of battles. Uh, There's a lot of cool characters. There's just I mean there's a lot going on. But it moves pretty quickly, and you know it's it's not your like obviously it's not a typical quote unquote west fantasy. Um, but I think that everything is very recognizable with a twist and it, it you feel like you're in a different place, in a different headspace without being totally lost. Uh, so I thought that might be a good place for your, um, your boyfriend to start and see if he likes, you know, magical elements as part of his story. And then there's so much more to read after that uh, by so many different authors. But yeah, so that is my pick for you. It's Aleph the Unseen by G. Willow Wilson. All right, our third question is from Katrina, who says, I love a darker shade of magic and Sorcerer to the Crown type of fantasy. Do you have any recommendations for a book like these, preferably including queer characters?
0: Um, so I'm going to cheat a bit. Uh, then I'm, <laughs> not cheating, but, um, I'm reading a book currently, which is going to come out, I think, in September uh, from Tor.com, which is C.L. Polk's Witchmark. And it's taking place in a sort of very Regency, 19th century-inspired city where um, people have just been shipped abroad to like really uh, large war, a bit like the Crimea War, and then they come back home traumatized. And the main character is uh, a guy who went to the front as a doctor and then uh, came back uh, and is now taking care of... uh, wounded soldiers and trying to keep his head down because, officially speaking, he's supposed to be dead. Uh, And then somebody dies on his doorstep, uh, identifying him as a witch, which is totally illegal if you're not controlled by the state in this world, and he finds himself uh, being thrown into this sort of Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson uh, duo with uh, mm. a mysterious nobleman with whom there's unexpected attraction, and it's very well done. I'm halfway through it at the moment. Mm. Um, so that's uh, Witchmark by C.L. Polk. And uh, if you want something that's actually out, you uh, <laughs> Ellen Kushner's Riverside books, uh, Swords Point, uh, The Fall of Kings, and Tremontane, uh, which are uh, basically fantasy of manners set in a fictional city where people, uh, noblemen, use duels to settle their accounts. And the main character is a professional duelist who's in a relationship with a rather ill-tempered scholar <laughs> and um, it's it's got a bit of the same vibe of you know manners intrigue um, sort of courtly things happening and they're really quite fun so that's the uh, source points uh, slash riverside world by ellen kushner and delia sherman and then Tremontaine is like a serial so it was written by a whole lot of people who i can't remember at the moment mm-hmm. but there was Melinda Lowe in them and it's just oh, coming yeah.
2: from Saga. Okay. And I actually chose Huntress by Melinda Lowe. Um, and I chose it because I latched onto the queer characters part of this question. And also because when I started reading this, it like totally took me back to. High school and reading a bunch of epic fantasy, and it was very cozy to me, but that's neither here nor there. But so, one of my favorite things about A Darker Shade of Magic and Sorcerer to the Crown is that sort of adventurous woman component. That's like my favorite sort of story. So um, that's like with Delilah Dirk and Prunella Gentleman. And this book has that. Uh, Huntress follows Katie and Tyson as they venture outside the walls of the Academy, where they've been receiving sort of uh, training in prophetic abilities. And Tyson is very serious and very gifted. She's a sage in training. She's the most gifted student the Academy has seen in like generations. So she's absolutely committed to her work, which means a life of celibacy, among other things. But Katie hasn't developed any abilities in the site, and she seems to have difficulties with instruction in general. Her teachers basically say she's too willful. Uh, so it's Tyson, uh, Tyson who sets things in motion when she has this really ominous, prophetic vision of Katie on a boat, leaving an icy beach for somewhere, and the where and why are mysteries, but... Tyson reports her visions as a king and the chancellor, who happens to be Katie's father, arrived to report that there are problems uh, that may involve the she, which are, uh, I guess, the fairy people, people of the fairy realm. And other creatures have been seen where they shouldn't be and they don't appear to be she uh, because they don't look quite human. Uh, So you compound that with this strange pause in their seasons like the sun isn't shining and there's widespread famine because of the seasonal shift and so the kingdom is like really overburdened with problems uh but the fairy queen has also requested the king's presence during midsummer so that's happening and because of tyson's uh, vision she and katie the prince and i think like uh two or three of of their guards head out on this journey to see the fairy queen, but Tyson is holding back these truths behind her vision of Katie. And she dreads its fruition for many reasons, including romantic ones, um, which I won't get too much into because I don't want to spoil it, but uh, there's all sorts of stuff about rumors of magical creatures and harrowing roadside encounters and character dynamics between the band of travelers. So there's a lot of, to sink your teeth into and it's very adventurous Um, so I think you'll have fun with this one and this is a prequel to Lowe's novel Ash which is like a Cinderella retelling so I mean there's other books uh, not necessarily that follow this story but there are other books in this sort of series and uh, that was a Huntress by Melinda Lowe
0: I do love that book
1: Um, I I
0: love Ash more personally I do too
1: Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I recognize can admit it. <laughs> yeah, they're both so good, but it's true. Ashes, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, um, I so okay. Bear with me here. I did not give you a courtly. Fantasy, like the two you picked, but I got really into thinking about the feel of those books, um, sort of like Sharifa said, like women on adventures, and I was thinking about queer characters and YA fantasy. And I have to recommend to you a a favorite, a recent favorite series. Um, I'm actually recommending you the third book first, even though, well, whatever, it's fine. Uh, The the title is (laughs) About a Girl by Sarah McCary, and it is technically the third book, but it stands really successfully on its own. And then if you like it, you can go back and read the other two, which sort of function as prequels. So the main character of About a Girl is Tally, and she lives in our modern world, and she's very smart and kind of pretentious, and she's, like, convinced that she's going to be a Nobel Prize-winning astronomer, and she's going to go off to college and discover all kinds of scientific things and, you know, just live her life, and she she lives by very sort of tidy rules, uh, and, you know, has, like, believes that she knows everything there is to know, except for the fact that she doesn't know her mother. Um, she's been raised by her aunt and... and 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 her aunt's partner in sort of a found family situation, and uh, and and then she sort of discovers that she might be able to find out more about her parentage, and so she sets out on this quest to try to figure out these things. And the the quest proceeds to upend sort of everything she thinks she knows about how the world works and who she is. And it's a really amazing coming of age that also has just so much mythology and magic baked into it. Um, You know, really surreal, beautiful things happen, really dark things happen, but it all feels sort of inevitable as the book goes along. And it's really interesting to see Tally sort of try to rework her worldview in the face of all of these new things that she's finding out and um there's there's really this is like the, this book has a lot of sexy times in it i will say um <laughs> so fair warning um and uh, and there are a lot of queer characters on the page which is really refreshing um and I don't know, I just, I, this series, uh, Sarah McCary has, you know, sort of framed it as retelling um, from Ovid, which is Greek mythology uh, and folktales. And, folk tales. and it, you don't need to know those things uh, to enjoy them. But if you do, it adds a nice extra layer. And I, I don't know, I think, I think you'll appreciate it given what you're asking for. So that's About a Girl by Sarah McCary, which is technically the third book in the Metamorphoses mm-hmm. series. But you can go back and read the other ones after you've read this one. Okay,
2: so question four comes from Danny, and um, who says, I'd like to read some fun high fantasy novels, but don't really know where to start. I've read and loved all of The Song of Ice and Fire, Name of the Wind, didn't love the sequel, The Lords of the Rings trilogy, and The Sword of Truth series. I'm looking for something with a deep and interesting magic system, since my favorite thing about fantasy is magic. Other than that, I'm open to anything and everything.
0: Um, okay, so I didn't go for epic fantasy per se, but um, <laughs> I, um, I latched onto the magic system, and one um, one series of books that I think has uh, that high, I mean, they're not sold as high fantasy, but I, I, I still think they have a lot of that high fantasy feeling with, like... Um, battles, uh, magic spells, large stakes, um, fate of the city. In this case, it's not the actual world, but um, the city in which uh, the action happens. So there's that feel to them, and there are Michelle Sagara's Elantra books. So the first one of the series is Cast in Shadow. So they're happening in the city slash kingdom of Elantra, And um, the main character is uh, Kailin Nevia, who's uh, a hawk, which is kind of like a a policeman in this world. And in the first one, um, she she got out of a really rubbish childhood uh, by joining the police force. And she has mysterious writings on her skin. And suddenly, uh, children start disappearing in the area of town where she came from and the writing on her skin starts activating and one of the things that i really like about those books is it's a very multicultural city where you have different races and every race also has a different magic system and a different understanding of magic so you have the barani which are kind of elves but not exactly like elves they have um a connection to trees, uh, an obsession with true names, but they're also those terribly, terribly political, long-lived persons who live for, court intrigue and who can be terribly direct as the you, or play the long game and do those really complicated things that mortals don't understand. You have dragons in human shape, and dragons uh, basically um, uh, function on the horde system, so whatever they decide is theirs, you'd better n- not mess with it, but it can be something like a library. There's a character who most definitely thinks that the entire imperial library is his horde and do not mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it's, it's got a lot of like really cool touches like this. And the thing that I think really works is the way the magic system, which is based on language and which is based on writing, really comes alive. And with each book, you find out different aspects of it and different ways that the magic work and different ways that it's keeping people safe so I think these are really well done and there's about 10 of them as well so it's a pretty long series but they're, they're mostly standalone so you don't, I mean if you get into them you can read all of them but you don't have to and again not quite high fantasy but I think that they have that that feel of epic to them so that's uh, Michelle Sagara's Elantra books uh, uh, so Casting Shadow, and then there's a lot of sequel, that I don't actually know the titles for. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I chose the Old Kingdom series by Garth Nix, and I chose it because it's one of my somewhat recent favorites. Uh, and there are a lot of fantasy series out there that are all about magic, but this is definitely, like, this is where I'm at. Um, so I'm not really that great about reading all the books in the series, but I completely went through this entire series in, I don't know, no time. And it's, it mainly follows Sabriel and then Liriel. And Sabriel kicks off the series as the eponymous uh, character of the first book. She attends a very proper boarding school in this place called Anselstier, which is uh, basically an alternate, an alternate early 1910 England. And she's a prefect. She seems quite normal, except that her father is the abhorsen, which, unlike necromancers who raise the dead, um, the abhorsen puts the undead back where they belong. So there's there's only one abhorsen in <coughs> the old kingdom which is a place that borders but exists apart from the England of non-magical people uh, in this story. So Sabriel's father has been living in the Old Kingdom doing what he does, and Sabriel is kept safe and sound on the other side of the wall um, with eventual spiritual visits by her father, which are kind of funny. But she has the Abhorsen's gift, and when tragedy strikes her father, she basically has to take up the helm as the kingdom's protector, especially since like dark forces are afoot and the undead are afoot and an evil being is hatching a plan that'll put everybody in peril. So all that good stuff. And then within the series as well, there's Liriel who's another interesting character and she sort of picks up where Sabriel kind of leaves off. Not quite, but um, she's a daughter of the Claire who are clairvoyant women who live isolated in this icy cave system. But, uh, Liriel is different. She doesn't look like the Claire who are dark skinned with blonde hair or, and blue or green eyes. And while everybody else is finding the gift of sight, she's reaching her late teens and nothing is happening. So she's desperate to belong. <laughs> she feels very much like an outsider. Her mom disappeared early in her life, so she's really alone. Um, but she becomes a librarian, which was absolutely delightful to me. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I was like, yes. Great profession. Um, And so her adventures circle around this prophecy that basically ends the series. And the magical systems in this book are super interesting because of the coexistence of this non magical and magical world. And there's stuff about how time works between the two worlds, like they're not in sync completely. And then what happens when you try to use magic close to the border and the different types of magic used and the reasoning behind the Abhorsen's processes are also super fun. Um, And so my favorite magical animal companion creatures are in the series. And most of the audiobooks are narrated by Tim Curry, who's absolutely wonderful. And I'll stop there because I could probably go on
1: (laughs) about it. (laughs) That was the Old Kingdom series by Garth Nix. I do also love those books. One of these days, I'm gonna name a cat Mogget. It's gonna happen. Yes, I to name cat. Um. I, so Danny, you said you were open to anything, so I took you at your word. I did not give you the things you mentioned, which are all really great, are more of the like European sort of old school fantasy style and I wanted to give you something very different that had a magical system that I found fascinating. So I am recommending Labyrinth Lost by Zoraida Cordova to you, which I just I'm like really up on this book right now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, it's the first in a series, the second of which does not come out for a while. Sorry in advance. And there is such a cliffhanger of an ending. Oh, But anyway... That's I know cruel. it is <laughs> cruel I'm a I'm a jerk I don't know what to tell you uh, <laughs> but the main character Alex is part of a family which has a tradition of magic um they are brujas uh, also known as witches and she does not want her magic she has been scarred by a childhood experience and wants nothing to do with the magic that she can feel is uh, coming up. And um, her birthday is coming up. Is it 16? I think it's her 16th birthday is coming up. And um, you're supposed to get your... It's also her death day, which is when you get your sort of magical blessing from your family. But she decides instead to wish herself um, and, and to do a spell that's going to rid herself of her power because she just doesn't want it. But it backfires terribly. And uh, she has to, it sucks her entire family into this sort of in-between land called Los Lagos, where she has to go with the help of this guy who she just met and doesn't really know, but he knows way more about magic than she does, so she has to trust him. And they are trying to get back her family, and it's a very, like, they're strange creatures, and there's all of these different, you know, Obstacles and and tests that they have to pass, and the magic is really interesting. Um, Cordova talks a little bit in the author's note at the end about how she put it all together, which I found very interesting after having read the book. Um, but it, yeah, it just has a really different feel. It's really well written. It's really fast paced. Like you get pulled right along. The, the supernatural creatures are interesting, and you know it definitely has. The same sort of structure and that like they're you know you start off with the smaller boss and you end up with the big boss um mm. and you learn a little bit about magic each with each battle along the way but the the actual details are so different and so interesting so that is labyrinth lost by zoraida cordova
2: and and oh, yes. we're moving on to our next sponsor i believe mm-hmm. uh So this episode is sponsored by The Crime Book, which is the next title in DK's award-winning series, Big Ideas Simply Explained. And The Crime Book is a creatively designed compendium to criminology, exploring the most infamous cases of all time, from serial killers to mob hits to war crimes and more. I was about to say that that this would be a good Father's Day gift, but I think this is going up after Father's Day. And uh, maybe
1: Father's Day is a Saturday. No, this will be up this yeah.
2: week. Yeah, yeah, you're oh, okay. fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it is. Um, so if you like Serial, The Making of a Murderer, or Criminal Minds, you'll probably love this book as well. So thank you to the crime book from DK. I mean,
1: Father's Day is Sunday. Don't at me. Sunday. <laughs> I know right, what day things I happen. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, if your father is into serial killers and they uh, <laughs> and, and i don't know i feel like there are a lot of dads who like war books and john grisham and that kind of thing right like that's a that's i'm not completely out there (laughs) (laughs) all right our next question is from alex who says a couple months ago i could not stand fantasy novels because i felt like all the ones i tried seemed to lean towards ya and the dynamics that genre includes i.e a cheesy love interest that takes up too much of the book I then asked a friend to recommend a fantasy series for adults, and he told me I had to read Mistborn by Brian Sanderson. I'm currently well into the second book and loving it. Anything else you can recommend along those lines? I like fast-paced, story-focused novels.
0: Um, the one that came to mind for me was um, Lois mcmaster Bujold's The Curse of Callion. I mean, Lois mcmaster Bujold is more known for her space opera, but she also writes tremendously... Um, Paisy, epic fantasy, and The Curse of Calion is set, or Chalian, actually, uh, it occurs to me, I have no idea how to pronounce it. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Uh, So it's set in a uh, sort of uh, Spanish-inspired medieval uh, setting, and it deals with a man who's been um, unjustly imprisoned and who comes back to the country that he left and finds it in turmoil. It's got a lot of really interesting characters. It has like somebody who's stuck in an arranged marriage, but who very quickly learns how to use it to her advantage. And I believe there's a sequel as well, which focuses where the uh, main character, I think is a, a do- the doorwatcher princess, but I haven't read it. But I really, really enjoyed the one that I read.
2: Um, and I chose The Oathbound by Mercedes Lackey, so, I haven't read Mistborn, but it looks like epic fantasy and it looks like a sizable series with gods and magic. So, I'm going off of that and hoping you like stories about female friendships and choosing the oath bound. Um, and I actually mentioned this one briefly in the intro episode of SFF. Yeah. And now we actually get to talk about it. Yay. So, um, <laughs> so hear the description out and you can decide for yourself <laughs> if this is the right fit. Um, so, the book seemingly begins in the middle of a story, but that's only because of the story. Of of the two protagonists meeting was published in Marion Zimmer Bradley's anthology Sword and Sorceress 3. Um, and just to note this book was published in like 1988 so I'm going totally old school here. Um, and the story that she wrote the short story was called Sword Sorn if you're interested in looking that up but I didn't read the short story before going into this book and it was totally fine. Um, and the Oathbound is part of Lackey's Valdemar Vows and Honors series, which is part of the Valdemar universe. So you're getting all sorts of lore here. It, there's so much. There is so much to get into. Um, but it features two fierce women, which is what drew me to the book in the first place. There's a the Shanaean swordswoman, Tarma, who's oddly coincidentally celibate, um, which is sort of harkens back to the Huntress. Um and Tarma's celibate because she's chosen and has been blessed to be a sword in the hand of the goddess. So she's sword sworn. and she chose this path because her people were slaughtered by an enemy, and this was basically how she would go about avenging them. And her her companion who aided her in this mission <laughs> is Kethi, who's a noble sorceress from. The White Wind School, Kathy was almost going to be buried off to a horrible person. Um, So she ended up at the White Wind School as a sorceress uh, where she she swore, gosh, there's a lot of this, swore to wander the world using her talents for the greater good. Um, But in this story, they're making their way, the two of them are making their way back to Tarma's home. So the other clans basically don't think her people are completely extinct. She is still alive um and i believe her clan was called like clan of the hawk or something like that and an additional bit of cool Kathy has a magical sword that draws her to people in need which is what drew her to tarma in the first <laughs> place so of course on their journey they get into all sorts of adventures because they're sworn to fight evil and i seem to read a lot of these traveling adventure fantasies and i don't know they never get they never get old to me but this. This book, again, is, like, totally old-school fantasy, um, but it's fun and action-packed. And, again, there's a lot of lore, so you're getting all the things. And just getting to know Kethry and Tarma, who are so different, is really fun. Um, and that was The Oathbound by Mercedes Lackey. And you can read more of their adventures in Oathbreakers and, I believe, Oathblood.
1: I almost picked those up at IU's bookstore this weekend. I saw them and I was like, oh, i <laughs> probably dollar by now. <laughs> yeah. Mercedes Lackey was so much of my childhood fantasy reading. Um, it's so great. Yeah. it's Good stuff. Okay. Uh, for you, Alex, who loves Mistborn, I am recommending The Grace of Kings, which is the first book in the Dandelion Dynasty by Ken Liu. They are <laughs> hefty. Uh, this first book is over 600 pages. Um, they are epic as all get out. Um, and Ken Liu has called this style silk punk so instead of being sort of rooted in the European uh, fantasy tradition they're much more eastern um, rooted in Asian traditions and they are super complex and detailed and fun. Uh, The book opens with two men who end up banding together to overturn the current emperor. Um, one of them, Kuniguru, is a bandit. He's very wily and uh, very quick-witted, and he can talk his way into and out of things. And then there's this very amazing warrior named Mata Zindu. And the two of them, who are clearly very opposite, band together and become very close friends. Um, and then once they've you know, succeeded in overthrowing the emperor they suddenly find themselves the leader of two different factions. So there's a lot of politics. Um, There's a lot of really amazing world building in here. Like there are these like silk airships and there's, you know, warriors who fly around with like, Kite wings, and there are sea creatures, and there are naval battles, and there are land battles, and there are gods interfering right and left. And there's just all of the great elements of an epic fantasy that it sounds like you love. So, and the second book is out now, right? Yes, I think I do believe yeah, it is out. I yes, I think it is. And I think the third one comes out either later this year or early next year. Or so, They're, I'm not being too cruel here. <laughs> um, and they are hefty, nice. so they'll take you a little while to to get through uh, so that is the grace of kings by ken Liu.
2: okay and question six says uh this is from jamie she says i really enjoy reading books that focus on relationships between siblings maybe because i'm an only child i find that dynamic incredibly fascinating i'm on a fantasy kick right now was wondering if uh you knew and of any fantasy novels that have strong sibling relationships i seem to always be reading novels about sisters which is great but I like to vary that up. So brother-sister, brother-brother would be a nice change of pace or a whole bunch of siblings.
0: Um, I'm going to take the whole bunch of siblings option and mm-hmm. recommend uh, Kate Elliott's quarter of Fives and sequels. Um, they're set in, the, uh, in a world that's inspired by uh, Ptolemaic, so Roman-slash-Greek-controlled um, Egypt. And the main character, Jessamy, is part of a family of five girls. Um, her She's mixed race, and her, her dad's from the colonial overlords, and her mom's from the locals. And the first thing that happens is that her family gets split following political intrigue with her mom still heavily pregnant. And as the series goes on, you get a lot of dynamics between Jessamy and her sisters who disagree about the best way to handle this. And each sister has very uh, distinct personalities and very different ideas of what they want in life. And you also get some time with uh, babies. Uh, Baby, in this case. Um, And uh, I thought that was, A, extremely well done, and B, something that you don't necessarily see a lot of in fantasy, because a lot of times when you have siblings, you have two, maybe three of them max but not necessarily an entire family and a lot of the plot also hinges on family relationships and how much you should uh, or should not be faithful to your family and your parents and what you are your siblings and the world building as um well very often with kate Elliot is very very good so that was kate elliott's quarter fives and uh there's two sequels I can't remember uh, Poison Blade and Buried Heart Buried Heart is out this summer And the other two are already out
2: I went with The brother-sister relationship And I went with The Bone Witch by Min Chipeko. Um This is truly a sweet And very strange sibling relationship <laughs> And <laughs> It's because of an event that happens early in the book where the main character, Taya, discovers her power, which is as a bone witch. And this ends up bringing her and her brother closer together in a strange way. So um, throughout the story, he's following her. Basically, what happens is that all the women in Taya's family are all witches. They have different abilities. And um Taya discovers she's a bone witch. And being a bone witch comes with all sorts of taboos and superstitions, but she's super powerful and the world needs her. So people have conflicted feelings about um, you know, these darker witches who have powers of necromancy. Uh, but her brother ends up going along on the journey with her and basically looks out for his little sister, even though he can't necessarily participate since he's not a woman or a witch and he's he's afflicted with this thing that he has that
1: I want you to <laughs> read trying about. trying so hard not to say it. It's so funny. It's <laughs> so hard. Oh it's gosh, in the marketing materials, but I won't. I won't. <laughs> yes, I won't spoil it.
2: I know. I've, I've had, yeah. So I, I don't want to spoil it, but he finds ways to make himself useful as Taya suffers through all sorts of miserable training, which includes practically serving as a sort of scullery maid, like cleaning out toilets and horrible things like that. Um but there's a lot of uncertainty about Taya's future in this book. She is extremely powerful, and it's hard to say where she'll take that power or what will become of her relationship with her brother. Um, but I'm assuming we'll find out more in the next book once it comes out. And this is one of those two where it really leaves you hanging. And so I'm sorry because the next book is not out. We're doing a lot of apologizing, but but read it. And hopefully you'll enjoy it. And that was The Bone
1: Witch by Rin Jubeco. I did love that book. But it is deeply number one in a series. Like, you really <laughs> want. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> and a lower an octave just to. Yeah. Endless... <laughs> Um, okay, so I went with a whole bunch of siblings option as well. And my pick for you is War with the Mine by David Anthony Durham, which is the first in the Acacia series. Uh, it is about a, it's like a little bit of Game of Thrones action here. You've got a, a ruler of the known world, capital N, capital W, um, whose dynasty has, you know, been in power for a long time. And he is a widower, and he's been—he's got four kids, um, and has kind of been raising them to not be aware of the full extent of what ruling this empire means. So they have some very idealized views on how politics works uh, and that all seems fine and dandy until he gets assassinated and the four of them get scattered to different ends of the world um, and start to find out what is really going on in this empire to try to take back power to try to figure out where their place is in this world, do they even want to go back um, and who is going to be in charge and it is all very complicated and political and backstabby uh, and, <laughs> and I really enjoyed uh, the, the, they really dig deep into the complexity of sibling relationships. Like, it's very complicated. Siblings are complicated. Um, and sometimes you love them, and sometimes you hate them, and sometimes you're going to have real disagreements with them, especially when your view of the world is very different, which is what happens to these siblings, because they all get sent in different directions, and so their experiences are very different from each other. So, uh, it's really complex in terms of those relationships, as well as the world-building and the politics, also very complex, and I think uh, Durham does a really good job of juggling all of those things. Um, it is a series, there are three books, yes, three books, out, all out right now, all out. <laughs> <Yep>. so, <laughs> (laughs) you can read them all right now. Um, And again, that's War with the Mine, which is the first in the Acacia series. And that is all the questions we have time for. Um, Thank you so much. You both have uh, given, I have so many books to read now. I don't know about everybody. I know. Me too. That's the danger. It is. It is. Uh, Sharifa, where can people find you?
2: Um you can find me anywhere up uh, basically on Twitter and Instagram at S Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams.
0: And Elliot, what about you? Um, I'm on Twitter as Aliet D B, so T E D like Daniel B like Bodard. <laughs> and uh, if not I have a website, ElliotDBodard.com, dot uh, com, which is mostly uh blogging about my books and recipes those days mm, that's <laughs> two favorite stuff. things <laughs> Exactly. Priority. that's right exactly.
1: that's right um thank you so much to everybody for listening as well and thank you to our sponsors if you get a minute please do review us on itunes we love to see your feedback and it helps everyone else to find the show and we will talk to you next time